This message by Steph Liston was recorded at the Relational Mission Church Planting Conference 2015 in Berkel, the Netherlands. I'm very uh, uh, honoured and privileged to introduce our speaker to you. Steph uh, Liston has a uh, rich experience in church planting. He uh, has planted a, a beautiful church in the centre of London through uh, thick and thin. He's got some amazing stories to tell about how he went about doing that. Uh, some of the ways he went about doing it quite unconventional, as you probably expect from, uh, from Steph. And he's now, there's an overspill from his church planting into uh, Poland, Germany, other situations, sending people out, resourcing, and I'm sure there's much more that's going to come from that resource hub as well. So um, he's going to speak to us tonight about death and glory. Okay, it's not an alternative, it's both and. Bad luck. <laughs> so here we go. Should we introduce Steph? Who's going to come and share God's word with us now? Thank you for the warm welcome. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. I've got some fond memories of being in this room with the lead guys. Any lead guys here? I know there's a few. Great to see you all again. And um, uh, greetings from London, from England. Uh, I'm um, hoping that uh, God's going to use what I bring tonight to, to be helpful for. for for you, I'm just kind of not going to launch straight in. Um, where's the lady that was sitting there? Yeah. Okay. She better be. <laughs> the Lord wants to encourage her. I think so. I, I just, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a bit nervous about the message tonight, just because it's very simple. But I guess the further I've gone on following Jesus, I've increasingly discovered that it isn't complicated. <laughs> it really isn't. Um, it's not as easy, but it's not complicated at all. And that's, I think, when Jesus is talking about receiving the kingdom like a child, that's probably the kind of thing he's, he's getting at and, and referring to, that it, it, takes, it takes everything, you know. But um, it's not complicated at all. So there will be a knowledge, hopefully, in what I've <laughs> preached tonight. But I'm trusting that there will be wisdom, that God will impart some wisdom. Um, because, you know, for you guys that are pioneering or thinking about pioneering, there are decisions to make. There, is, there, is, there are frequently situations you face where you need to know the wisdom of God in order to know what to do. And so I'm going to trust and hope that through what I bring that, that, that God will bring some wisdom. Hello, excuse me, I don't know you at all. He's just returned to the room. Hello. I just felt like uh, um, the, the Lord wanted to encourage you. Um, and and um, I have not got really loads to say, but I'll just start and see where we get. So it's just, sometimes it just seems like when I, if I'm somewhere that the Lord will just highlight someone and I just, do you speak English? Do you understand English? Great. Before I go any further, you're nodding and smiling as I'm talking, but you don't know the thing I'm saying. Um, I just felt like the Lord really wanted to uh, minister to you in this season, that he wanted to just uh, give a sense to you of his special attention. Uh, for the season that you're in, um, and I don't know uh, what your experience is of um, angelic help and strength, but I felt like this, when we when we read in the Bible, we see that there were times where Jesus was strengthened by angels, and then in Hebrews it says that the, the angels are sent out to minister to those who are going to inherit salvation. And I just felt like the Lord just wants you to know that there that there is angelic help for you right now um, to strengthen you. Um, as you go as you go through life and the things that the things that you uh, face not just externally but also uh, internally that the Lord wanted to assure you of sufficient help to not just um, not just to, to get through the thing but to, to conquer 
and to, and to find um, to find his sufficiency to find his sufficiency in your life um, so I guess it's quite a general thing really but I hope that it speaks into your situation and where you're at brings some encouragement okay God bless if, if, if uh, at any point you want to just ask me any more about that or say what were you talking about come and find me that's fine I won't be offended um, okay um, so uh, there's going to be like three sessions that are under this title Pioneering with Jesus uh, Mike Betts will be taking the next two so this is the first one in the Pioneering uh, with Jesus series um, we're going to be looking at Luke 9 so if you have a Bible with you please turn to Luke chapter 9 and that's I, I think I'm pretty sure that's where the whole series is going to be grounded in, in Luke chapter 9 um, there are certain observations about pioneering with Jesus that are a bit more general maybe to just make mention of at the start, just learning from Jesus. Obviously, he's the ultimate pioneer. Um, he's the pioneer of our faith. He's the one who, who, who came and um, through, his, through his life, death and resurrection has forged a way where there wasn't one for humanity to be received back into the presence of God. So he's the ultimate pioneer. He's the ultimate church planter. Jesus in these three years was in the early phase of pioneering, looking to put the right things into the right people so that he could then move on. The right things into the right people so that he could then move on. And we see that Jesus um, looks for total commitment, but doesn't necessarily look for maturity. So he calls people that will be totally committed, dropping the nets, leaving everything and following him, or all out for Jesus, but loads and loads to learn. So if you're here and you're pioneering, you feel God stirring you, but you think, I've still got so much to learn, that's okay. What he's looking for primarily is total commitment. He is looking for that. <laughs> it's important to say that. He is looking for that. Um, but that's a matter of the heart. You haven't got to wait ten years for that to happen. That's something that can be decided in a moment. You haven't got to grow into that. Um, when people talk about journeying, it's important that we don't get mixed up and think that there's somehow a, a journey towards total commitment to Jesus. I think we, 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 we drop our nets and we follow him. Um, we give him our whole heart. And then we begin this journey of maturity. That does take time. So he looks for total commitment. We see, we see Jesus teaches people on the job. Um, he didn't have anywhere to lay his head, let alone a lecture room to teach them. Um, so Jesus he takes them into the, into the coalface of villages, towns and cities where he does the stuff and they are with him in it. And then, some, and then they go on boats and gardens uh, and secluded places to then reflect on what they've experienced together. But it's by no means just a classroom situation. He draws them into what he's doing, that they are right there in the thick of it. Also, I'd say that part of the way he uh, pioneers and helps to develop other pioneers is that he brings them the full scope of encouragement and affirmation. It's been the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Huge encouragement, huge affirmation, but also correction and rebuke. So if Jesus is a masseur, um, you get different kinds of massage, don't you? You get the ones that are just like, oh yeah, keep going. You get the other ones where you're sort of folded in a knot and then someone stands on you and puts their elbow in you and it's like, ah! But you come out and you're in better shape as a result. It's more that massage uh, you, get, you get with Jesus. You get the full treatment of well done, but also, haven't you got it yet? It's Jesus. It's the same. He's the same. Deals with this in these, in these ways. This is the pioneering school of Jesus. These are the things that we learn. When we look at Jesus. And I want us to look particularly at a situation in Luke chapter 9 um, tonight, which is uh, perhaps 
unusual. Perhaps you'll find it surprising, but I guess that's why I've called it death and glory. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Now, it happened that as he was praying alone, that's Jesus, the disciples were with him, and he asks them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. This is Jesus protecting his pioneering project very, very carefully. Jesus understands that if the disciples begin proclaiming that he is the Messiah, see, we think of Messiah or Christ as a very spiritual title, and they did as well, but they also thought of it as a very um, political down-to-earth title. It means God's chosen king. And so if they went around proclaiming, this is God's chosen king, the one we've waited for for centuries, then what would happen is, is that the masses, the crowds, would coronate him. They, they, would, they would get make him king by force. In fact, in the Gospel of John, we we find that in one instance they tried to do that, and Jesus had to remove himself. So Jesus knew that if they began to proclaim that, then he would reach glory, but he would bypass the cross. So he would reach his place of glory, but prematurely, and as a result of that, it would be a counterfeit glory. It wouldn't be the glory that the Father had planned for him. And so he says, don't tell anyone. Now, now, I want you to notice how closely Jesus is protecting this because he almost gives them an anti-Great Commission. Now he's saying, tell no one. It's very, very, he's protecting the, then the glory. First, the depths, then the heights. That's the root. Now, all well and good if it ended there. Go on, Jesus. Go on, Jesus. Took the cross. Yes, amazing. We'll sing about it. And then the resurrection. And rightly so. The problem is verse 23 onwards. Because in the scripture, there's no headline in between. There's no gap. There's no paragraph change in that sense, you know. And he said to all, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now what Jesus is doing here, it's very important that we notice what he's doing. He speaks about his cross And then straight away he says, and if you're going to follow me, it's the same route. Now, there's only one cross in one sense. The cross, which we sing about. We sing about the cross, we've sung about it tonight. The one and only cross where Jesus atones for the sins of the world. Amen. 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 I thought we'd have to backtrack and go a whole right back from the beginning. Okay, so we understand and we and we know that. What we don't hear so much about is my cross, our cross. And I want to talk about it tonight. And I want to be honest with you and confess my fears in talking about it to you tonight. What am I afraid of? I'm afraid that I will be perceived as morose, joyless, that fun killer, 
I'm afraid I'll be perceived of that guy doesn't get grace. These are the things that run through my mind. I'm just being honest. When I come to speak about this, I think, I don't really want to do this passage, Lord. But I feel like I should. So I want to help us to embrace the idea of picking up our cross, understand what it means, what it doesn't mean. Speak to you about it. I hope that's the first point, the second point shorter. So if any worst ways you to then you remember it. Worst ways, two points. Um, so I'm going to help you to try to engage with this uh, idea. We sing across. We sing a song at the moment, which is fascinating because we sing, we sing in the line in it, "You took my cross," but he didn't. He didn't. He took the cross. He didn't take your cross, and he won't take your cross because he's calling you to take your cross. That's. I'm just going to try and stick really close to what he said. So you got any problems? You talk to him about it, okay? <laughs> You take your cross. Now, what does this look like and what, what does it mean? Um, the reason why I want to spend some time on this is because it's my observation that sometimes through our preaching of grace, we have accidentally communicated that following Jesus is easy. Now, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The commands of God are not burdensome. Eternal life is God's free gift in Christ. Yes and amen forevermore. But he also said that it is a hard path. It's hard. It's not always hard, but it is hard. It is to be full of joy, absolutely, but it's hard. And um, Jesus, I'm going to just unpack his words here. So he said, if anyone, so it's universal, would come after me, Firstly, let him deny himself. So there are things in you that you need to say no to if you are going to enjoy the glory. If you want resurrection, you have to go through the cross. There is no resurrection, there is no cross without resurrection. So if you embrace the cross that the Lord gives you, then you will experience resurrection. It is inevitable. I often, well, increasingly bringing this up with married couples that are struggling. I'm saying, you want a resurrection marriage, right? Say, yes! <laughs> then you've got to have a cross marriage. You've got to have a cross marriage. But if you have a cross marriage, you will have a resurrection marriage. So it works both ways. And it's a good thing. I just feel such sobriety in the room. I guess it's a good thing. <laughs> First night. Whee! It can only get better from here, guys. If you're going to follow the Lord, if you're going to pioneer, if you're going to, if you're going to break new ground, if, you're, if, if you are going to be fruitful and obedient in what the Lord has called you to, you will need to deny yourself in certain ways. You will need to say no to four things which at times seem utterly overpowering in their desire. You will need to learn to say no. Now, praise God for the fact that when you are born again, that your deepest, truest heart and self is regenerate and wants to please the Lord. Your deepest desires are for him. Hallelujah. It's a miracle of God. But the New Testament is also clear that if anyone says they don't have sin, they are lying. 
and the truth is not within them. Peter talks about the evil desires that wage war against our souls. James talks about, he says, if you're tempted, don't blame God. (laughs) It's not God who's tempting you. It is your evil desires within you. This is New Testament teaching. We live with this and will live with this until the day we are glorified. This is the reality. I will, I will make it very personal, just so we don't we move away from generalities. There are things that I long for in my flesh that are awful. Now, today, my flesh will always be like that. Can't redeem it. I have to kill it. And if I don't learn it, then I give space to those desires to grow. And I arm the flesh in its war against the spirit. Paul says the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. There's this titanic battle of passions within us. Or maybe it's just me. Thank you, whoever said no. Anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. This isn't a magic moment you have at a conference. Ah, it's stained. <laughs> Wow, you know, I've learned that God does mighty things never the magic moment in the sense that they know daily. It's a daily decision to make. Will I, will I allow myself to that idea, that lust, that ambition, will I allow myself or not? And I want to be really straight with you folks and say accountability alone won't, accountability you can do, you can actually put in the, just didn't say, what does Jesus say? You take up your cross daily and follow me. It's this idea of lopping off things that mean a lot to us. Lopping off hands and plucking out eyes. These things that we think, this is so precious to me. What would I do without this? Whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If you adopt a posture of trying to preserve yourself... In the sense of, um, how can I put it? Because obviously God creates our personhood and it's absolutely appropriate that we allow who God has made us to be to grow and flourish. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> preaching anything other than that. But there are these elements, I guess in our flesh, maybe we'll keep using that phrase as helpful, in our old way of thinking and in our flesh, the old man, as the New Testament puts it, that I'm tempted to hold on to. Keep a hold of, whether it's people pleasing, whether it's selfish ambition, whether it's prestige, popularity, power, control. Jesus says, if you try to save yourself by holding on to those things, you are going to lose your life. It will not go where you want it to go. See, I love, what I love about Jesus is that he's actually outrageous in his desire to bless us. Outrageous and so outrageous that he tells us the right route. But the right route is very often counterintuitive. It's not what we think it would be. He says, here's the idea, here's the plan, lose your life. Lose your life and you will save it. Allow yourself to fall entirely into me, my words, my teaching, my kingdom. Allow yourself entirely to be under my lordship. Allow allow your life not to be under your control. Allow your heart to be fully mine. And I will raise it to life in an extraordinary way. I will bring color and breadth and depth and height and wonder and glory and joy to it that you cannot imagine. But there is this step of faith where you give yourself entirely to me, which involves saying no daily. To those things in you that want other, that want, that want the evil stuff and the dark stuff. I guess, I guess I've, 
I've been a Christian 24 years now and, and, and been um, involved in some kind of pastoral work for 19 years. And so over that time, you do see things that adjust the way you think. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't adjust your doctrine, but it maybe adjusts the emphasis of your, of your doctrine. And I think I, I've come across now so, so many people who uh, use words like trapped. But I'm thinking, but Jesus says you're free. And you know you don't know who to believe. You think, oh. and then you say, I've got to believe Jesus. <laughs> you seem really convincing. You seem really convincing when you say you're trapped and you can't stop this. But Jesus says you're free. And Jesus says through His promises, He's given you all you need for life. And God's conviction increasingly is this: is that, is that beneath that talk there is basically um, a love for something. A, a, a longing for something that won't be let go of. That 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 somehow there's just an, an, some kind of you just love it too much. So I found that's what I exactly found to be the case in my life, where I found myself almost swamped and almost overcome, almost overcome. You know, the psalmist says my feet almost slipped. Felt myself to be there. I thought, what is this? What is this? And the conclusion that I've come to is, 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 though I hate this, part of me loves this. Though I, though I don't want this, part of me wants this. And am I, do, am I really willing and ready to kill it? And when I'm roused to the point that I am, I suddenly realize I wasn't trapped. I wasn't trapped. He was telling the truth. I was free. I loved it. Wins the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. I love Jesus. He's so for us. You can have this, 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 and this, but you can end up losing yourself. Man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. There's something about life, something so glorious about existing and knowing Him and walking with Him and, and, and kingdom and, and, and joy and peace and fellowship with Him and relationship with Him and knowing the depth and the wonder of His love. There's something so precious about that that Jesus is saying, come on, let's, let's, let's galvanize you. Let's galvanize you to treat with violence everything that will come against that and will try and rob that from you that you might fully enter into all that I have for you. It's the, it's, the, it's the great plan of God. This isn't about God trying to close things down because he's restrictive. That's a satanic lie. It's about God saying, I want so much more for you than you could imagine. But here's the root. Here's the root. We're going to just gradually help you to dethrone these things that promise you so much and never deliver. They promise you so much, they never deliver. And help you understand that because I love you and the truth will set you free. And then interestingly, he says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words and of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And I, I found it an interesting thing that Jesus would go on and say, you think, wow, what's, what's happening in his mind? What's the thought process here? And it, it, seems, it seems to me that actually our... our uh, how can I describe it? Our pride, if you like, funny word, but our, our pride, our boast in him. And all that he says, and our ownership of him, and all that he says, is very often the crunch point 
the crunch point of am I willing to embrace this death? Will I, own, will I own this Jesus who talks like this? Will I own this Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Will I own that, or will I be ashamed and shrink back and phrase it in a different way? So it kind of sounds like, you know, well, this is my thing, I don't know what your thing is. Will I own this Jesus who says these things about purity, who says these things about bitterness, who says these things about forgiveness from the heart? Will I own him and the words he says? Or will I somehow package it differently, change the emphasis? To, why? Because in my heart, if I, if, I, if, I, if I own and embrace him in this way, what will you think of me? Where will that leave me? And it begins to eat into these other things I love so much and cherish so dearly. Jesus says, kill him. Come with me. And I'm not here talking about, oh, we need to be wise in how we talk all of that. Of course, of course, of course. But we hear that all the time. <laughs> We're always being told that. You haven't got to hear that again tonight. You're always being told that. Maybe tonight we need to hear, will we own him? Jesus of Nazareth, as portrayed in the Bible. In all his words. Because listen to this second point. Suffer with him, number one. Did you get that? Verse 27, I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Then we see the fulfillment, I believe, of that. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. So this kind of veiling of glory that Jesus, I, I can't explain the incarnation, no one can. But there's this almost this veiling of his, of his glory. In a moment it's unveiled and in his glory he's seen for how he is. In this moment, and Peter, James and John uh, are there. And, um, and behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. And uh, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So they're talking about the cross, Jesus, uh, Moses and Elijah. And in this next bit, you'll find very encouraging. Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. It's like, yes, thank you, Lord. For the, thank you for mentioning that. You know, does that not help you? That helps me so much. I remember the first time I ever got taken to a half night of prayer. I was great for the first half an hour. It was in the front room and I was on a very comfy settee. And the rest of the night basically involved me, you know when you're, you sit up and you realize you're falling asleep and you look around, everyone's praying, and then you go in the other direction. And I bumped into the man of God who was leading the prayer meeting years later and he said, it was so great to see you that night. I said, I slept all the way through. He said, no, he said, it's fine. He said, that's called holy snoozing. <laughs> He said that. He says, fine. He said, God looks on the heart. Oh, thank you, Lord. So Peter and James and John, they're all heavy with sleep. I mean, to be honest, most of the time Jesus takes them to pray. They're asleep. Let's face it. It happens in the garden. I mean, it, you know, this is encouraging. Um, so fully committed, but not mature. All right. Um, you qualify. Um, but when they, I tried to do, I tried to do, be, be, <laughs> tried this morning to do be still tried that you know be still you know how it ended i'm not even going to tell you how it ended (laughs) he still loves me um but when they became fully awake they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him and as the men were parting from him peter said to jesus master it's good that we're here yep um let us make three tents 
One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. So he's trying to say, this is amazing, let's hold on to it. Let, let's, this, is, this is it, it's happened, let's hold on to this. Okay? That's, but that's not the plan. So you might come in to think, I want, I want to touch the glory over these days and I want to carry it back to me to wherever I am for the next 60 years. We're going to live in mountaintop glory because that's how we're wired. We, we know that's what eternity is going to be like. We love those moments. It's totally natural to feel like that. Peter's the same. Let's build three tents. Moses and Elijah are here. This is going to be amazing. Right? This is, this is going to, potentially in Peter's mind, this is a very exciting next step. Um, although not knowing what he said because he was probably totally freaked out as well. As he was saying these things, I love this. As he was saying this, he's in the middle of... <laughs> it's crazy. He's in the middle of talking. It's a great idea. And God's like, oh my goodness. And just brings the Shekinah cloud to envelop them. Um, as he's saying these things, he's babbling about a tent and a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Fair enough. Uh... And a voice, here it is, now listen, here it is, a voice came out of the cloud. This is the moment, alright, this is now, this is the moment. A voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. So Peter, you were right. Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Christ of God. God. The Father says, yeah, this is my son, my chosen one. Here's the instruction. Are you ready? Listen to him. Alright? Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. I thought we were going to have like tents and glory and everyone was going to come streaming. It's like that thing in Isaiah. They, 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 you know, they'll stream up the mountain. This is it. Glory, Shekinah, Moses, Elijah, tents. No, no, no. What's the, why, well, what, what's the purpose of this? Here it is. Listen to it. Listen to Jesus. Yeah. So you've come out of the glory. And what's the plan? Here's the plan. I'm going to listen. Number one, suffer with him. Number two, listen to him. Sorry, guys. <laughs> listen to him and do what he says. Do you want to be fruitful in your pioneering mission? There was a serious, that was a serious, like, uh, European time delay. That was like an hour. It's like an hour there. That was weird. That was like, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I was on British, you on European. Well, so you, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you want to be fruitful. I'm assuming you want to, you know, you want, you want, you've been appointed to bear fruit. You know, you've been appointed to bear fruit. He's chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit. It, it gives him amazing glory when you, when you bear fruit. You want to bear fruit? Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen, listen to him. Build according to what he said. Build according to the pattern. Read your Bible. Do it, do it you're told. Read your Bible. Properly, don't rush it, do as you're told. Do what he says. I'm, 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 I'm being serious. Like a child. Well, what's he saying? He's saying, it's, okay, we'll, we'll do this. So those of you that are leaders, he says, don't, don't be a hypocrite. So, here we go. Let's do, right, just listen to him. If you're acting, stop it. Stop. Stop it. If you started acting in meetings, stop it. Right, listen to him. It's nonsense. Stop it. <laughs> yeah? Don't, don't try and show yourself to be something. Listen to Jesus. He says, don't do that. It's crazy. Are you refusing to forgive someone? Listen to him. Stop it. Because true fruit in ministry comes out of the overflow of who we are. We're so fixed on plans, programs, structures. 
They're, they serve a purpose, but that's not what brings fruit. What brings fruit? Abide in Him. Listen to Him. Do what He says. He's Lord. Abide in Him. It's, it's not. To, sometimes we think, oh, abide in Him. You, you know, put the dolphins' sounds on. No, listen. Listen. John 8. Dolphin sounds are fine, but it's not the heart of it. Listen. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. How's that sound? Abide, remain in his word. Remain in his teaching. Remain in his teaching through the gospels. Remain in the way his spirit inspired the apostles to bring foundational teaching. Remain in the scripture. And listen and do what he says. And you might, I hope you don't feel insulted by what I'm saying. You might think, it is really simple. He says, pick up your cross, listen to him, do it. Do it. Kill, you say, um, deny yourself daily, do it, listen to him. Do it, do it, do it. Do it. So, you know, the, the route is as important as the destination. We're fixed on destination. Goal. The, the route is as important as the destination. The journey matters as much as where you get to. You know that? Let me give you an illustration. This guy in our um, church, wonderful, godly guy, very young, uh, very talented, and was in a, in a certain line of business where, to be frank, you know, mine, lots of minefield. It's a real minefield. Lots of mines. Lots of, lots of landmines that could go off morally and in all kinds of ways. The, the line of work itself is fine, okay, but it's, it's a real minefield. And so we're just talking, just discipleship conversations, you know, because he was, ta- I was asking him what kind of work he was, projects he was working on, just making sure that he's being discerning about what he's saying yes or no to. And his comment was, well, at the moment I just say yes to everything. I say, why do you say yes to everything? He says, well, he said, I want, I figured that if I can just get to the top, and then when I'm there, I can, I can, I can then choose what to say yes or no to. So, Cause then I'll be my own boss. I said, I don't think you've got, I think you've missed it. I, think, I don't think that's wise. I, th- I think the Lord is as interested in how you get to the top, wherever that is, than you just get in there. That just seems as pragmatism gone mad. You're going to compromise your conscience. You're going to end up investing in things. You're going to end up exposing, you're going to end up giving your talents to things that are dark. You see, the journey is as important as the destination. And he took it on board. Praise God, he took it on board. Now he's gone self-employed and, you know, he went self-employed and there's this moment when you go self-employed in terms of like, wow, what works, will any work come? And he gets offered this job. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's a couple of months of work, but the, the, the project is not good. He says no. That's a, that is someone who's starting to listen to Jesus. Someone who's taken up his cross. As soon as he says that the next few days, the work just starts piling in. Good stuff. Good stuff. So suffer with Jesus and listen to Jesus. And the result will be fruit, one way or another. Now, I just want to end with this, because um, I think sometimes we, 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 we're, we're quite activistic, you know, often in the way that we are put together. So God gives us something to do. I remember when we went to plant a church. I mean, <laughs> on, the, on the Saturday, we moved house to Camden. On the Sunday, the church planting team, 12 adults, five kids, went to our, our sending church. They prayed for us. We then got the tube across to North London where we'd moved to, had lunch together, and it's like, we're here, we're, we're a church part now, all really exciting, and then comes Monday. <laughs> uh, Monday, I'm just remember thinking, like, oh, what do we do now? It's meant to be a church here <laughs> at some point. I mean, you have no idea. How do you? 
A man or a woman cannot start a church. It's a ridiculous idea. Or if they do, it would be nonsense. God, what do I do? I just remembered of Abraham. God gave him some promises and he believed God for the promises and looked to, looked to bring his life and actions into line with what God had promised. That's what we'll do. That's all I can do. I can't do any more than that. You see, but I think sometimes we, we, we just default to activity rather than default into what he's called us to do. John 12 is a very important one. We're going to end here. So Jesus is just about to go to the cross. The cross. And he says this. He says, um, John 12, verse 24. He's talking about the cross. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Then he, then he does the same thing as what he did in Luke. He goes then on to straight into discipleship. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Well, where is he? He's in the soil. He's in the soil. He's fallen into the ground and died. So you follow him there. That's where you go. And then at the proper time, he starts to bring growth. Now, I'm not preaching passivity here. Not at all. But neither am I preaching activism. I'm preaching follow Jesus. Essentially, if you're going to go and do a pioneering work, you're going to go and fall into the soil. And you're going to allow the Lord to bring an incredible growth. And absolutely, he will use you. Absolutely, this thing will take blood, sweat, tears, effort, all of that. But essentially, spiritually, what is going on is you're just following Jesus. And you're, allow, you're, 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 you're allowing yourself to die to certain things that shouldn't be there. Wrong ambitions. You know when you go and pioneer something, what are, what are people thinking? You've got to do a prayer update and there's nothing to update people on. You're in the keyboard. Oh no. Nothing's happened. <laughs> that dread moment. Quick, come do some street work. Get a story. <laughs> street work and stories are great, but do you understand what's driving it? What's driving this thing? When you, help, when you help oversee people that are planting churches in an area that's hard soil, you have to help them die to impatience. You have to help them die to that nasty thing called impatience. Patience can make you do crazy stuff. <laughs> crazy stuff. Rather than saying that I'm not... I, and, and then when you visit, you know, when you visit them, they're panicking. <laughs> there's nothing there. It's been two years and there's nothing here. Well, you're still here. And you still believe in God. What's the problem? What, what is the problem? There is no problem. You can believe in God. I get it. I understand it. I hate people visiting our church. I hate such panic. Going to a really weird mode. Like they're meant to come and be a blessing. And I'm thinking, I just wish they wouldn't come. I hope their car breaks down. Because I've got this drivenness in me that I want, I want everyone to come to think it's perfect. I mean, it's horrible. It's pride. It's nasty. I really notice it in me. So I totally get it. So Jesus, just help me keep, I'm going to keep inviting people. That is my way of killing it. It's my way of killing it. We've got to, we, yeah, do you understand what I'm getting at here? I don't know how on earth to end this sermon. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love your leadership, Morris. I love that. I'm with you when it's going well. And if it's not, I'm out of here. Um. Well, I, I, I guess I guess there's some of you here that just needs to freshly take up your cross. So you know what? You know what? I've just 
We don't talk about temptation much. And we've got to talk about it more. It's flipping nasty. It's nasty. And all of us face temptation, but there are seasons of horrible temptation like Jesus in the wilderness, intensified. And um, I've had a season like that. And it's just utterly disorientating. Utterly disorientating. Horrible. We've got to learn to talk about these things so we can help each other <laughs> with these things so that people just don't go quiet when they're in it. Hide away. Try and figure it out themselves when very often God's means of grace to us is one another. And You know, it, not many pioneering works and church plants go wrong because the skills didn't work. Technique failed. It's rare to see a church plant go wrong because of that. Normally something happened in there. Something happened in there. And it has allowed to grow. It was given a little bit too much water and light. And then it started choking things. And through whatever motivation happened, the help that was available in Christ was not accessed. He will never test you beyond what you can bear. He does always provide a way out. But you've got to want it. You've got to find it. So I guess maybe for some of you, you've just got to say, Lord, I just, I guess maybe you just sort of taken a trip down easy street and called it grace. And then you've just got to lop off, lop off some limbs freshly. It hurts. And sometimes it kind of has grown in your heart to where you feel like you can't do without it. But I tell you, I tell you now, on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can. And he will provide for you in replacement of that in ways you cannot imagine. And then I guess maybe for others of you, there's just a fresh call to listen. So to be in the Word, to be looking for prophetic direction, to be having a listening posture. I'm going to end with one story, because I, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I got into a bit of a thing for a while as a charismatic Christian, where you'd be like, trying to hear God. Do you know what I mean? Like, people say, why don't you just listen? I'm trying! You know? And they, they just do that, and, and they hear all these things. Do you know what I mean? I tell you, I hear all these things, but none of them is the Lord. It's a load of old nonsense. Do you know? You go off, you do, you're all the Lord. It's not, right? I, I know. I don't hear God like that. I think, I think, if you're a sheep, you hear his voice. He speaks to different kids in different ways. Because he knows his children. So just have a listening posture. Have a listening heart. So here's the story. It's great, fun story. The other two elders at our church said to me, look, it'd be great. Well, I think I suggested actually. <laughs> I said, can I just do July a bit differently? Can I step back from Revelation Micro and just do Revelation Macro? Like, just seek God for, for you know, what are you saying? You know, because um, we're doing well, but it kind of felt like we needed some fresh direction. They were like, yeah. I was like, yes. To July. July the 1st, I came downstairs in my dressing gown, sat on the sofa, thought, it'd be nicer to lie down. I lied down on the sofa, and it was like, that's what you do. July the first. Just saw it. Isn't that what you've got to do? Fresh vision for your church. So the rest of July was just a water skiing and drinking coffee. No, no, no. <laughs> but it was like, I didn't do it. I didn't fast. Well, I hadn't had breakfast yet. Maybe I was fasting. Maybe that was it. Half an hour fast. Yeah. You know, 
I wasn't praying. I was just lying on the settee thinking, July's here. And I, I have, if you have a listening heart, and you just know in your heart of hearts that you, that, that you absolutely rely on his voice, he'll lead you because he's faithful. Because he's faithful. And of course it's right to take time. And obviously I did pray out of that and all of that. Yeah, but there is, there's grace for us. He knows us. He knows how we work. And so maybe today for somebody, there's just a fresh chance to listen, open your ears. So I guess if you feel any of those points uh, particularly relevant to you, we'd love to pray for you. So you, maybe you can stand where you are and we can just uh, begin. I know there's a team here that to pray and prophesy and things. And we can just, we can just start to try and use our, the 15 minutes have we got left or? Yep. Okay, we'll just try and serve as best we can. So if you'd like to respond in some way, then why don't you stand where you are? For some of you, I believe that actually there's some important conversations for you to have with people in this room over these few days in light of this sermon. It's great to pray, but there's some talking that needs to be done, some conversations to get access help that you need. Um, let me just say we're all, we're all in the same boat. We're all made of the same stuff. <laughs> we all made the same stuff. Hallelujah. Yeah? It's just comforting, isn't it? Well, let's just open our hearts to the Lord and um, see what he wants to do with us over, over this time. Love it if our keyboard player. Are you happy to? Sorry, I know you stood, but is that all right? Lord, yeah, you're happy to play. Is that all right? Thank you. Um, music's a funny old thing, isn't it? Um, just reading two kings at the moment, and some kings ask Elisha to prophesy. He says, "Okay, grab a minstrel," and he wasn't talking about chocolate. Um, so, the, sorry, English joke. Anyway, the <laughs> musician came and played, and uh, he starts prophesying, and it's just. I don't know what's going on there. I don't want to draw too 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 sharp a line, but there's there's something about um, just music. I guess is the language of the heart, just to help us to open up to the Spirit of God, who tends to speak to the heart. Um, and uh, let's open our hearts to the Lord. Lord, thank you that you love us so dearly, Jesus. Thank you that you thank you that you it seems that you prize us with an incredible. Jealousy, Lord, and um, that's incredible. Thank you for um, the way you pursue us. Thank you for the way that you lead us. Thank you for the way you deal with us. Thank you, Lord, that um, the, the, thank you. I just, I'm just so grateful, Lord, that you are um, truly who you are in every way, and that you will not allow yourself to be compromised by anyone else's opinion of who you are. But you are you. Just love, love, we love you, Lord. We just love you tonight. I want you to know that. That's why we're here. Because you showed yourself to us and we fell in love with you. And everything else has come out of that moment. So, Lord, I pray that you just help us to, in our hearts, just find that place of simple love once again. Please, Jesus. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, because you're so authentic and so true. I pray you'd help us to be very true in the way that we relate with you, Lord. To keep us from play acting, keep us from um, it's so easy to fall into. It's frightening. But I pray you'd help us tonight with that, Lord. That we would really be able to be truly present before you. Um, bring all that we are and allow you to work 
in us and work on us over these days. Thank you for all those that have stood, Lord. I want to just give a, I want to just give a moment or two now for those of you that have stood to just tell the Lord about it and, you know, there's only one mediator between God and man and it's not the preacher. It's Jesus. And, um, just tell him and come to him and draw near to him and he'll draw near to you and we can, we can serve you and pray for you but I think the most important thing first of all is that you just talk to him and tell him about it and maybe you need to confess sin or just express your what you, what is, why you stood up really I suppose what, what's, what's been put in your heart through this message I'll just give you a moment to do that I'm just going to pray for those that are standing, but it's praying for all of us, really. As, uh, Lord, we're praying for pioneering courage, and this is where courage begins. Lord, just even to stand and acknowledge where, where we're at with you. And uh, these are foundational words. I, can, I could not be more pleased with this as a starting point for these days together. These are, you know, Jesus and his words are the rock upon which anything we aspire to build is established. So we're reaching for your, your, your rock, Jesus. We said we want to have your rock beneath our feet. If we uh, have any aspiration or ambition to do anything in your name, Jesus. We want to be built on you, in you. I was just reminded of these words in Colossians where it says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, according to human precepts and teachings. They have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For if you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Thank you. And I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters. I want to pray for myself, Lord God, that we uh, would not live in, in fear yes. of our flesh, Amen. but we would live in reverent fear of you, Jesus, yes. Amen. who are the rock upon which we are built. You are the one from whom we have been hewn. And, uh, Jesus, I, I want to pray. I was just very struck by what Steph was saying about conquering one, uh, weakness was by, by exposing himself to something that was positive, you know, in, in order to defeat pride in one thing, he would invite those to come and, and see what was going on. And uh, I, I just feel that sometimes we can be so preoccupied with what we, we must stop doing. Don't touch. Don't don't do this. Don't do that. 
when Jesus is saying, now reach for me, set your mind on things above, fill your life with good things, you. you know, fill your life, uh, yes. to look at what it is that you can commit to do. Yes. Thank you. That is like the spiritual antidote to that which you know that you don't want to do. Thank you. So uh, God wants to put weapons of righteousness yes. in your left hand and in your right hand. He yes. wants to occupy your mind, occupy your ambitions with beautiful, healthy things yeah. that leave no oxygen for these other things that mm. you want to see die in right. your life. Thank you. So why don't, we, why don't we just, uh, we don't need to know details. Why don't we reach out to our friends who are standing? They're the courageous ones here who are saying, look, hey, I want to move this area of my life onto the rock. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's pray, God, let, we choose life. We choose words of life. We choose rock yes. today. Yes. We, we don't want to live on sand. And we don't want to live on lies. We want to kill that off and kill off the flesh. Why don't you just gather around these friends who are standing and just pray blessing over them. Don't, don't uh, look for details. That's between them and, and their mediator. But just pray that there will be life. There will be rock. And if there's other prophetic words or encouragements, then uh, please come and share those with us. Lord, <clears throat> you chose those uh, weak vessels to achieve your purpose in this world and bring your kingdom and bring your glory. You knew what you're doing, Lord, when you chose us. You didn't have any false illusions about us and false expectations knowing that one day we will be something different than we are Lord you knew what you are doing but somewhere in your glory somewhere in your love somewhere in your mercy you decided to call us in salvation and not just that Lord you call us to be the minister of your word and to bring reconciliation between you and the people on the earth Lord you call us in the great calling of plant churches, bring the beauty of our Lord to the people and to be a matchmaker between you and the people and say to the people, look, on the other side, it's Jesus and he loves you. And he has done everything for you to show his love and done everything to you so he can spend eternity with you. Fell in love with this God because he's so wonderful for you, Lord. And we have this contact, constant battle in our heart. We have a, such a huge calling and such a huge burden on our shoulders, Lord. And it is burden. All this, it is burden. And on the other side, we know how weak we are. And we have a feeling we're going to break every moment, Lord. So I just pray that we take your yoke, Lord. Your yoke, which is easy and light. And go in your steps, Lord. That we exactly took those two words, Lord, that Steph preached this evening of suffering for the Lord, suffering for you, which means we are going to take our cross. We are going to go into the battle against our flesh. We are going to say to the things that temptation to us, knowing that once we have decided to do those things, Lord, it's opened the floodgates of heaven and your helps come in that direction. And we know what's troubling us. We know 
What are the things in our life that just takes our attention from you, that takes energy from you, that just throw us down on the ground and make us unable to stand up, stand up and go in a fight to bring your kingdom? We know those things, Lord, and they are painful. And I just pray that we will find courage in our lives, lives Lord, that in those moments we will say, I'm going to take my cross. I'm going to decide to follow you. I'm going to say no to those things. I will find somebody and talk about those things. I will find a accountability group and share those things. I will make this public to somebody who will bring some wisdom and clarity in my life. And I will pray about those things. I will not keep them in the shadow anymore. I will pray about things. I will make them so public to you that I am aware. I'm not going to hide this from you. That this is the trouble in my life. Knowing that once when those things is behind me, there is an even greater level of glory of you in my life. And I want that. I want that more than anything else. More than anything else, I want to know your glory, Lord. Because it makes me feel good. Because it's wonderful. Because it's so attractive. Because it's so excellent. And I want that in my life. I want that beauty in my life, Lord. And I want this word, listen to him to be extremely strong in my life. That the purpose of all manifestation of your glory, all wonderful supernatural things, Lord, is not to dwell in them, but actually to give credibility to who Christ is and to hear these wonderful words. Listen to Him and go with Him. So I pray that listen to Him will be the landmark of my life. I am the one who listened to Jesus. I am the one who listened to Him in my private life. I am the one who listened to Him in my marriage life. I am the one who listened to Him in my ministry, in church planting and everything, Lord. And help us to learn how to hear Your voice. We are all unique here, Lord. We all hear in different ways. Teach me unique way how can I hear Your voice and understand You, Lord. And have grace and courage to follow you, even in a ways that looks so scary in front of me. Let me just know that it's not, it's not that I need answers on the question for the, on all my questions so I can follow you. The only thing I need to know is who you are, and you're a good, loving Father in my life, Lord. So let the knowledge of you be even stronger in us, Lord, so we can easily follow you in the places that look scary in front of us. Amen. Amen.